Hey there, you're listening to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Kara. This is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. And today's guest is... Max Chan. I am a career coach. I help people with resume writing, interview preparation, and LinkedIn personal branding to help them land their next job. So first of all, thank you so much, Max, for being our guest. I should also say that you're our first male guest that we've had on the podcast. So you should feel pretty special right now. <laughs> Wait, so this is episode 48 and you never had a male guest? <laughs> no, because well, we, we usually hate started men. doing that a year ago. Yes. It's been like officially a year since we had our first guest on the show. <gasps> That's right. Yeah, we're very we're very picky with who we have on. So it's either like we have some kind of rapport with you or we think you're cool. And in your case, it's both. Max, I honestly can't. I don't know exactly how I started following you on LinkedIn. I, I could go through the story if you want. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So um, for, for those who don't know, like my um, as Kara introduced me, my name is Max Chan. I have a LinkedIn following about, I think, 23,000 now. And I've been posting daily on LinkedIn with like career tips, personal branding since May of 2020 during the start of COVID. Uh, and then how I met Beckley was, as I just said, I post every day. And I think she engaged with one of my posts. And then uh, what I usually do from a marketing relationship building perspective is I go through the list of people who engage and see who would be a good fit uh, to see more of my content or be a potential client down the road. And then I saw Becky Scott's profile. I looked her up uh, and she does marketing and communications. So I said, oh, uh, I think she's uh, good for my niche. And I ended up reaching out to her. Uh, and then I think we exchanged like messages back and forth. And then I had a conversation with her and then the rest is history. Yes, yes, exactly. You hooked me on your content for sure. So Becky, what was it that drew you to Max's posts? Because at the time, I was just kind of weighing my options of I, I knew I wanted to uh, change my job. And it was during the pandemic. And you must have been like one of the first career coaches that I that I followed. And I, I know at the time, too, like I wasn't engaging as much on LinkedIn. But there is, you know, like as your job, as your job hunting, it obviously helps that you're on LinkedIn a little bit more. So I was like, okay, I really need to get back on this platform. I had stopped for a while. I don't know why, but, and then I somehow saw Max's post, but I, I always found them informative and I like that he gives you actionable tips and tips and tricks, especially for, for job seekers or for people looking to pivot their careers. And I was like, I'm not going to lie. I was also impressed that he had over 20,000 followers. <laughs> yeah, that is impressive. <laughs> but yeah, so, and as Max said, like the rest is history. Um, at one point I hired him as a career coach and super, super helpful. 
um, with my resume and with uh, interview tips. So, yeah. And I was on your podcast as well. Little plug. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, Max. Yeah. So my podcast is the same name as my company name, Chan with a Plan. Uh, So what I do is I invite guests such as Becky to provide strategies, uh, tell their career story and the learning lessons that they've uh, gathered throughout their career journey in hopes of inspiring and motivating professionals that are listening to my podcast. They feel stuck. And by listening to my podcast, they should be able to have strategies to implement in order to get unstuck in their career and get them to the next level that they desire. Okay. So I'm wondering like, what drew you into LinkedIn? Because you said you really started posting in, what was it, May of 2020? Yep. Okay. So yeah, what like drew you into take it seriously, like continuously and be consistent with your content? Yeah. So how I started was, I believe it's mid-March uh, where lockdown happened at Canada-wide. Uh, and then there's, there's nothing to do, right? Uh, and then I was on LinkedIn and one of the things, uh, one of the professionals that I saw, I don't think I was connected with him at the time. He created a post saying that he was looking for professionals to give some time, donate their time in terms of helping people who got laid off during COVID uh, with like resume reviews and career advice. So I did that for about a month. We got good traction in terms of people inquiring about our services, but then he didn't really um, put any marketing efforts to it. So it kind of died down around like mid-April. So then I was like, okay, I did help a few people that end up taking my advice and they end up getting better opportunities. So I said, okay, maybe I can do this on the side of my own and build up my own brand. And I actually saw this webinar about building your brand on LinkedIn. And I ended up buying this guy's course that I saw on the webinar. Uh, and I just took some of the strategies and started crafting content and starting to post daily. Uh, so what I did when I first start just to pace myself is I would use a scheduler like buffer and I would create the post the night before. Uh, once I started getting a hang of it, I actually started posting, uh, I would do batch content creation, meaning that I would take either Saturday or Sunday or both days and create the seven days of content for the next week. And then that's how I started to like generate that consistency. Because uh, for anyone listening that wants, that is wondering how are all these content creators doing it? Uh, such with such consistency is that they're not doing it live every single day. They probably batch content it and then schedule it out. So that's the trick for anyone mm-hmm. who's looking to get into content creation. Uh, so yeah. So with that being said, it did take me a couple of months to like find my niche, uh, find what type of content I want to create to generate that traction. And then I started getting clients about, uh, I started getting consistent amount of clients in October. So, so from May to October, there wasn't a lot. I think I maybe got one or two clients uh, per month, but then it started really taking off in October once I started to be more consistent, having a stronger message. And then that's also when I changed it to Channel the Plant before it was something else that no one resonated with. Uh, so by <laughs> rebranding myself and then- Wait, wait, wait. what was it? We need to know. Give us the tea. It was called was a the- branding game plan, uh, which didn't really resonate with anybody. I, I was focusing, right. It was focusing on personal yeah. branding. Uh, it wasn't yeah. really job search, but then it pivoted to like, Channel the plan and then job search. And then that's when I started more, getting more traction. So okay. my, my thought for anybody is like the first idea is never going to, it's most likely will not be the best one from like a brand perspective, but mm-hmm. as long as you keep trying and pivot, uh, 
in different directions, you'll eventually hit something and then you just double down and keep going, right? But I encourage anybody who feels discouraged that their content's not working uh, to stay consistent, but maybe switch it up and experiment with different types of content. Maybe switch your, up your positioning with your brand. Uh, eventually, you'll find something that will resonate with your target audience. Or you might even find a new audience to uh, really generate uh, growth in that area. Mm. How do you stay optimistic when you're just starting out and you're not really meeting with a lot of success yet? I would say don't focus on things you can't control. Uh, so you can't control how many views you get. Um, so I would say focus on output. Uh, there was a thing I recently read about the law of 100, which is basically uh, don't quit unless you do something uh, 100 times consistently, um, whether it's a few times a week up to 100 or every day, like once a day. Uh, I find that once you generate 100 uh, days of output, you tend to be able to see whether it's actually working or not. Again, the, the main thing when it comes to content creation for anyone looking to start is that people quit too soon. Uh, a perfect example is that I've seen some LinkedIn content creators go on TikTok and they would be consistent for a few weeks. And then I look at the profile again and they haven't posted in a couple of weeks because they, they stopped too soon, right? It does take some traction. Uh, so a perfect mm -hmm. example is for me on LinkedIn, uh, I, I just said that I didn't really get any traction, so I switched up my brand, but I was already about like 100, 120 posts uh, in. Uh, so by mentioning that, uh, when I realized I wasn't really working after 100 posts, then I started switching it up, and then that's when I started to get traction. So uh, once you hit the 100 and you haven't gotten the results you're looking for, then maybe take a step back and see what you do to re-strategize. Uh, even with my TikTok that I started, uh, I just posted... 100 uh I, I posted my 100th uh, video yesterday in two months oh congrats yeah, yeah so i'm really ramping up with the consistency uh and like, i didn't start really seeing any traction till like post 80 or 85 um so it, it goes to show when you're when it comes to content creation at least that you you have to generate a consistent amount of output first before you can really evaluate whether it's working or, or not so uh my if you want to take a single thing out of this episode right now in terms of like growing yourself via personal brand through content, I would recommend sticking to something uh, at least 100 times or close to it before you evaluate whether it's the right thing for you. But even if it doesn't work out, I do suggest that you maybe switch the strategy and try again. Because as I mentioned, you can't... Uh, the beginner's luck doesn't... Uh, it, it's hard to get that beginner's luck. A lot of people's first ideas don't really work out. It does take some time and lots of experimentation to find something that works. So I do encourage you to keep trying, even though uh, you might it might seem bleak. I love that. Speaking of content creation and LinkedIn, do you have any other actionable tips and tricks for people either just starting out or people who want to just grow their presence on LinkedIn? I think one of the things is uh, writer's block or lack of ideas. Uh, so what I would recommend is when it comes to uh, generating ideas in terms of like where you want to um, niche down, find like two or three high level topics that you're interested in and then let, let time yourself for a minute and see how fast you can make subtopics of those uh, main topics. The one that's mm -hmm. the easiest for you to generate topics with, I think that's the one you would go with to start. And mm -hmm. then once you have those subtopics, go even deeper than that. Uh, so for example, let's say, so job search is the the big, the broad topic. And then the subtopics would be like resume writing, cover letters, uh, networking, LinkedIn optimization. And then you can go deeper than that, right? So resume, uh, if you go deeper with that, you can talk about like main sections of a resume, sections that are outdated and you need to remove. 
how to write good bullet points, um, how to improve your job titles uh, if your official job title in the company is not as uh, attractive. So those are the subtopics. Um, th that's the, the deeper topics after that subtopic, right? So that's how you break it down. And I think that would be, if you, if you do this exercise, you should be able to generate uh, some good topics uh, fairly quickly. Uh, and then that should be a good foundation for your base when you start uh, writing content. Hmm. Nice. I think that's a, that's a great way. And then I, well, I like that because yeah. that's literally what I've been doing. So I, I just joined LinkedIn like last month and because I'm starting a, a freelance copy editing business on the side. Yeah, you are <laughs> doing like, and, I'm going to uh, clap for you there. Thanks, Becky. <laughs> and you know, I, Becky is kind of my little personal LinkedIn guru because I've been seeing her journey on LinkedIn and reading her posts and stuff, even when I wasn't on LinkedIn, because I would edit them for her. <laughs> and um, uh, when I joined LinkedIn, obviously, I knew I wanted to post consistently, just like she has been and continues to do. And I'm, I consider myself a pretty good writer. So the writing posts wasn't hard. But yeah, I, I sat down with a blank Google Doc. And I'm just like, okay, like, what are the different subtopics of editing that I can talk about? And then what kinds of posts do I want to generate so that I've, you know, continuously have these ideas for the content I want to put on there. And I think you're doing a fantastic job, by the way. Like, I remember <laughs> when I was just starting out on LinkedIn, I honestly, like, I wasn't posting consistently. I was barely engaging. I think that's another thing that I've really come to appreciate about LinkedIn is just the engagement is so different from any other platform. I feel like people really take the time to either reply to your comments or to comment on your post or to reach out to you, um, you know, via, via message or, or whatnot. But I don't know. I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, I'm in it. <laughs> You're in it to win it, right? I'm in it to win it. Absolutely. Maybe like what, yeah, what are some, what are some like benefits other than, let's say, getting more clients have either of you experienced? For uh, LinkedIn, uh, oh, before I go to that, uh, the other thing about like the content creation is that once you have a bulk amount of content, you can actually go through analytics. Uh, I use a, like an analytics software to like rank my content. And you can just repurpose some of the ones that perform well. Because uh, mm -hmm. there there's been weeks when I've been super busy and I just didn't have time. So I basically mm -hmm. just took like five, four or five uh, pieces of like performing content, good performing content uh, from before and just reposted it and then maybe write some two original ones. Uh, so yeah, so in a way that's even fake consistency uh, because again, it's not, I didn't make it by scratch. I just took something mm -hmm. from before, but it goes back to like, uh, as long as you show up every day, it doesn't matter how you do it. Um, just keep that rhythm mm -hmm. and then things will um, grow over time. Uh, but uh, to answer your um, latest question in terms of like, what do I get out of uh, posting on con uh, link content on LinkedIn? Um, yes, you, you do get clients, but it's also good relationship building as well. Um, mm -hmm. Like I met you, uh, I met some other career coaches, uh, met some other business people. Uh, and like, again, uh, I have my own podcast and a handful of my guests for my podcast is through LinkedIn and building relationships because uh, mm -hmm. I'm always uh, interested in hearing people's career stories because it is a career-oriented podcast. Uh, so there's that, right? So there's relationship building. 
Uh, writing is also therapeutic. It's just good to get your thoughts out. Uh, for me, on the weekend, I don't really write anything about job search. I just write stuff that's um, going on in my mind. And again, I don't really do it for reviews because when it comes to weekend, people don't really focus on job search. Uh, so it's more for me, um, more for my uh, enjoyment. Uh, so I find writing uh, therapeutic. Um, I've always been a good natural writer because I write resumes too, right? And cover letters. Uh, so I think it's just a good like creative exercise. Uh, just to uh, get your thoughts on uh, paper or online for the world to see. And then you also be you also uh, build that authenticity and connection with people to see who will relate with you in that mindset. Mm. Yeah, I think that's great. It's like the relationship building. I can also relate. Like I try to plug our podcast in um, when it's like more career oriented somehow we always manage though i mean car is amazing oh, at finding find clips <laughs> yeah we find a way to to spin it and be like oh hey you know use this use this tip or or whatever i think all of us use linkedin obviously for our careers but then also to share some more personal tidbits about ourselves and i like that we each you know talk about something different but there is some overlap like obviously i talk about our podcast but I also talk about like freelance copywriting and then Cara like what would you say your niche niches are (laughs) well yeah I I usually try to I do two posts a week right now because I only have so much time Mm -hmm. Um, and so Sundays I usually do like an editing related post something about editing you know here's a tidbit for writers or here's Mm -hmm. what you're looking for when you're doing editing um, and then on Thursdays, I try to post something more personal. I've been talking about the fact that I fall under this category in LinkedIn of transitioning teacher, um, which I think is hilarious because I've always seen people talk about <laughs> their transition. And as a transgender person, I'm also just like, well, so this is me two times over. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like to talk a lot about sort of on Thursdays, I'll talk about why I'm going into freelancing or, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm hoping to get out of this. I try to be a little bit more vulnerable in those posts because I want people to connect with me in that authentic way of like, you know, I'm I'm not just sharing generic editing advice on this platform. I am actually mm-hmm. a person and here's who I am. I want you to be interested in me um, so that maybe you will start a conversation with me because as we've discussed, Becky, I am <laughs> less good at being the one reaching out to people. But you are making progress and I think that's what really matters. And I mean, similar to you, I'm not posting every single day, but I try to do three days a week for now. And that seems to really be working for me. I, oh, yeah. I think You're it's, getting yeah. So much response. I love yeah. it. I, I get all these notifications that people have replied to <laughs> uh, a post that I, of yours that I've commented on. Yeah. And so something, something I've noticed about LinkedIn is the notifications can be really overwhelming sometimes. You know, mm. I'll, I'll sign in. I'll check LinkedIn like once or twice a day sometimes and it'd be like you have 15 new notifications. Yes. It's like, what? And it's like half of them are like connections I don't even really care about, sharing posts yes. I don't really care about. Um, so I, a question for you, Max, would be like, are there things you'd like to see change about LinkedIn? Are there things mm-hmm. that annoy you right now? Or, you know, how can we kind of work around those rough parts of LinkedIn? I actually was a talk. I actually commented on a LinkedIn content creators uh, post about this, and 
what I noticed uh, recently is that a lot of the content's very dry. Uh, it's always the happy to announce posts. So it's basically like, oh, congrats, um, I got a new job. Uh, it's usually that, and then like now hiring. Uh, there's a few like vulnerable content, uh, pieces of content, uh, which is good to build that authenticity. But it, it seems to be when uh, COVID first started, there was a lot more variety in the types of content. But now I think it's really niched down to more job search stuff, whether it's like job search advice or uh, how they got a new opportunity. Uh, so it is getting a bit repetitive. Like, I'm finding it hard to comment uh, on posts on the on my feed because it's mm-hmm. the same type of posts. Uh, so it, it's hard to like really talk about the comment just say oh congrats right to people i don't know right because there's, there's no really any value there uh, so i i find it uh a bit harder now to comment than uh, when it first started because the, the content is getting a bit more uh, repetitive and dry do you ever find that you get stuck in kind of a bubble where you're having trouble being exposed to uh maybe like a different audience that you want to appeal to because i'm finding that i'm connecting with a lot of other editors and i'm connecting with other transitioning teachers but you know, my audience would be authors and academics. And I'm just like, where are they? How do I find them on LinkedIn? Yeah, um, I, I know some people, they, they create posts, say, hey, I'm looking to follow uh, content creators in this space on LinkedIn. Can you please tag some, right? And then a lot of people are helpful and they'll say, oh, this person's good to follow. This person's good to follow. Oh, uh, so that's, that's one, a good um, idea, actually. You can do like hashtags yeah. too, if you want, uh, saying like hashtag like um, copywriter or um, editing tips. Uh, then you can find other copywriters too, to network with if you like. Uh, so yeah, so hashtags or just like reaching out to your uh, network and say, hey, I'm looking to follow X amount of people in this space. Uh, the, does anybody have any suggestions? Uh, so that's always mm. helpful. Mm. That's a really good idea. So could we change things up a little bit? Could we get a little personal? I'd love to talk about the man behind the plan. (laughs) Good uh, play with words because like Chan with a plan rhymes, right? Man with a plan. Um, Yeah. So yeah, fire away. So uh, I'm just curious, like you came into career coaching here and LinkedIn and stuff in 2020. How did you get there? And especially like what did you want to be when you were a kid? Because I'm, tr- I'm trying to imagine a little mm. Max. And I, I can't imagine that your answer when people ask you, what do you want to be <laughs> when you grow up is career coach on LinkedIn. Yeah. And it also was like, uh, no one expects to be a social media manager when like, um, like Becky, you were, you were born in the nineties, right? Early nineties. Yeah. 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 So like you didn't, as a child, you would say, oh, I want to be a social media manager on no. Instagram. Right. Cause that didn't exist back then. So like with all the new technologies coming out, the stuff that we said as a kid that we want to be, uh, we probably like change career paths now, right? Because like the, there's new roles that are a lot more interesting. Like maybe data science, like data science is pretty big now, right? So, um, yes. yeah. So with that being said, in terms of like what I wanted to be when I, I uh, grew up, like I wasn't uh, like the first. Uh, the thing that comes up when I say when you ask me that question is probably I think police officer because uh, you know when a kid you're like a firefighter, like astronaut, those type of roles. Um, so I say police officer. Obviously, when I got older, it was different. Uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to get into accounting because uh, I thought I was good at numbers. Uh, but I realized that in high school, the accounting courses they teach you is more on bookkeeping, not actual accounting. Uh, and then when mm. I went to university, I didn't do well with the accounting. It's like, this is not what I signed up for. I thought it was mm. what I signed up for in high school, but that's more bookkeeping. That's not really accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I ended up uh, pivoting out to uh, psychology. Um, 
and then with that, uh, I still like the business side of, um, I still like the business world. Uh, so I pivoted back to marketing. Uh, so I ended up uh, graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology in at York University. And then I took a marketing certification around the same time online. Uh, and that's how I built up my education still set. And then I got into um, my first role in a small agency uh, in digital marketing as a marketing assistant. So that's how I started there. So yeah, so in terms of like, the roles I wanted, it was for, like when I was a kid, when I didn't know much, it was like the police officer. And then as I got older, uh, then it became like an accountant for something like a real world job. And then I realized I wasn't that good with it or I wasn't passionate about it. Like you, you can be the judge there. And then I ended up pivoting to like psychology because I like understanding like human behaviors. But then I also wanted to go back to the business side. So I ended up uh, complementing the psychology degree with marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I did marketing, digital marketing. Uh, which I'm still actually doing, right? Because like in a way, creating content on LinkedIn is a form of digital marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. so, Absolutely. So yeah, so I think like, uh, it goes back to what I said before about you're never going to get the right idea the first time. You do have to try different things to find out what you're actually good at or passionate about. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a perfect good example. It's so interesting because we have sort of similar career paths in a way. Like I also did psychology and then I went into marketing And then now I'm copywriting, which is like all kind of similar. And I mean, at one point I was considering and I'm still open to perhaps doing some sort of career coaching in the future. But do you see yourself being a career coach long term or do you feel like you want to test it out for a while and then just kind of see what happens? Well, from a year over year perspective, um, my first year was May 2020, right? Well, that's when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I made about, if I remember, 7,000, um, so, which is like nice money, like for something that I had, I had like no. That's um, like on your side, like yeah, on, on my side. side like, don't yeah. Know, yeah, don't know what I'm doing, right? Uh, <laughs> and then uh, this past year, it went well. Uh, this year, right now, uh, if things go well, I'm projected to make a bit more. Uh, so I think as long as I'm growing, I'll, I'll probably continue to do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I do see myself doing it for at least a few more years. Uh, again, I might pivot to something else later, maybe another form of coaching, maybe business coaching. Like if I run a successful career coaching business, maybe teach people how to uh, do mm. that on their own. It, mm-hmm. it might not be like career coaching, it might be a different type of business. But like, um, I talked to you uh, about this to you, Becky, before about how like with this side hustle, I build up so many skills that I could actually, even the career coaching doesn't work out. I learned how to write content on LinkedIn, how to do videos, uh, video editing, yep. uh, how to like do email marketing. So I've built up all the skill set from the side hustle. So even if I decide to move away from career coaching, I still have all these skills that I can basically take a product service I'm interested in and just use the same formula and then uh, try to grow that, right? Uh, so going back to the main theme of the discussion is that even if your first idea doesn't work, you build up all these skills that you can take with you to the next endeavor, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I I feel like I've done something similar of, you know, you're you're never really starting from scratch when you decide to pivot Mm -hmm. careers. So it's like you're always going to take the skills and what you've learned to your next position. And I think that's great that you're thinking of all the areas or, you know, things that you've built up and and skills you've, you've improved upon. So that's amazing. So I'm curious, Max. If we drift off the topic of careers for a moment, <laughs> what's something that you've failed at before, not necessarily related to your career, 
that maybe you'd like to come back to one day and try again? That's that, that's a tough one. Um, because I, I I didn't really try that like different things really. So you failed at trying things. Yeah, yeah, I feel like trying things. That's a good one, actually. I feel like trying things. I think uh, I think career coaching is the one that I've really actually dived like uh, deep into. Um, mm-hmm. But like before that, it was just like just do a nine to five and then like do stuff outside of it, like fun stuff. Um, yeah. But I've never like actually what? like dived deep into like a side hustle before. Um, yeah, like what? What's something that you have tried just for fun? And maybe it's not necessarily that you failed at it, but you were just like, I'm gonna just try this thing and and see if I like it and see if it sticks. We could do like uh, we could talk about like uh like for sports, right? Like in high school, I did like track sure. and field stuff, and I thought like I, I'd be good at it, but I realized that there's so much training involved that I realized that mm-hmm. it's probably like I, I'm into it a little bit, but I realized that it wasn't. It, it goes back to like in terms of like athletes, right? Like. You have mm-hmm. to really like practice a lot, and I just wasn't devoted enough to practice. I, I enjoy the fun of it, which goes back to like some like passions uh, and hobbies should remain hobbies because if you like try yes. to like, make it work, then it's it, you might not enjoy it as much, right? Like for example, I used to play hockey when yes. I was younger. I played for like a few years. I did enjoy it, right? But if I really wanted to get really good and be more competitive, as we because like once you get to a certain age. Either you have to play like really competitive or you're pretty much done, right? Um, and I did, just didn't want to play that competitively. Uh, I wasn't, it was one of those things like it was like enjoyment, but I was just wasn't willing to put in the time to like really uh, get better at it. Uh, so at that point, I, I knew that it's probably a good time to walk away. Again, like would I be down to like play hockey um, like in the future? Of course, right? Because you don't really forget what you've uh, learned in the past. But uh, I think, that's a good example of a realization that like I'm into like fitness, but like doing something competitive, like track and field or hockey, it was probably not for me at that time. Oh my God. I feel you 100% on that because I am not a competitive person. And yeah, I also did track and field in like elementary, maybe a little bit of high school. And I would always do like the 100 meters. And I think I did the relay. That was always fun because that seemed like more, you know, team effort and there was like less pressure just on me. Yeah, I played soccer as a kid for several years because my parents put us into, uh, me and my brother into soccer, a little like after school soccer leagues or whatever. And it was fun. I had zero athletic talent, but, you know, you get to run up and down a field and what kid doesn't like doing that? Um, So I enjoyed it, even though I wasn't very good at it. And... It's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I probably wouldn't join a soccer league um, nowadays, but I'm glad I had that experience. And yeah, like I, th- I think sometimes we forget that you can just do like sports and these other hobbies for fun and they don't have to be competitive. They don't have to be productive. They don't have to make you money. They can just be things that you do and you don't even have to be good at them. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, goes back to what are you going to do when you do turn your hobby into this like, quote unquote, side hustle, right? Like, then what are you going to go to to relax? It's like, you're kind of, I don't know, you're kind of fucking yourself over. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say burning the candle at both ends, but sure, we'll keep going. Okay. Listen, I like to swear when I can. Okay. Okay, this is just a very random question, Max, but I, well, I I know I was previously saying that I was drinking coffee this morning. I'm like, I'm both. I'm a tea and uh, coffee connoisseur, 
Kara is more into the teas, and she really Not got just me more into the tea. I don't drink You're... coffee at all. Yeah, exactly. Somehow we are still friends. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somehow you you've excited me. Well, you've really gotten me into into the fine quality teas. I have I to know. say, we even have the same yeah. kettle. I just, oh. it's so good. <laughs> so, Max, are you coffee tea? Please don't say neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I, I, I meet a good friend uh, regularly, right? Because um, we talk a lot about business and like self-improvement. And uh, if I haven't had my coffee yet, uh, I would do a coffee. Um, so I usually do like one cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I would do sugar every so often, but I'm trying to like reduce the sugar intake. But yeah, a coffee would be, would be my main choice. If I already had like a cup of coffee, uh, then I would do a tea um, at that point uh, just to like lower the caffeine. But mm-hmm. uh, coffee would be my first choice. Okay. Ain't no shame in your coffee game. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's great. I like n- my Nespresso. That's like, yeah, I, it's it's funny because I don't go for tea or coffee for the caffeine because if I have too much, I feel a little jittery and gross. Um, but like a little bit of caffeine is nice, especially if you're. Well, and there's tired. also the the whole ritual of it, right? Like, yes, you know, you make yourself your beverage of choice and you might sit down and read a book or check LinkedIn in the morning, right? Like we have these little routines that help keep us sane, especially I think Mm. uh, when we were locked down during the pandemic and when everything was so fraught with stress and anxiety about the future and like, when was this going to end and stuff? And some ways it still hasn't ended. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Max, uh, what do you think about how the pandemic has affected uh, not just how we work, but even just like how we are looking for work these days? Well, I think work flexibility has been a big thing in um, because of the pandemic. I, I think in all honesty, the pandemic didn't really change anything. It just accelerated things. Uh, so I think we were still going to get to the point where it became hybrid. Uh, it just got a lot there. It got there a lot faster because of the pandemic, because of lockdown rules. I think the best companies will give their uh, employees the freedom to work uh, wherever they want and then like collaborate in office when need be. But I think that will be the future because if, if you're a company that's trying to force people to go to the office five days a week, like you're not going to get any employees or, or you're just going to get the really bad ones that can't find any work at all. Uh, so I think uh, when it comes to like the future of work, uh, it's definitely going to be a hybrid model in uh, some capacity. Yeah, I think I, I think it, I think we were talking about it before. I might have had to do with resumes or something. Now I can't remember because so, I was asking you about a tip, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I feel like we didn't do that before." And then, oh, I think it was the whole quantifying your job because before, how it used to be, you know, just kind of list your job description. And you're kind of saying like, well, people have been doing that pre-pandemic, but it just really got amplified as like, you know, there is much more competition, essentially. And I found that interesting because I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't really know because I wasn't job seeking as much. And I just had like a Word document. Gosh, my I should do a post actually about my like how my resume has changed because i would love to hear about that because i've seen different versions of your resume from time to time but i I can't say i've paid attention to all the changes and i would love to hear about your four pages long yes like back when you had as a google doc instead of canada i don't yeah 
Yeah, it was it was four pages long, and I had like Zellers on there, like Creekside Nursery. Zellers, yeah, I remember at one yeah. point we were we were going over together, and I was telling you like you don't really need like this <laughs> volunteer experience from twelve years ago on your resume. Yes, yes, like keep like obviously the most relevant yeah. stuff. Um, I find yeah that something I'm struggling with. I don't really have a, a an up to date resume at this point, and I don't know necessarily that's a priority for me because. Since mm-hmm. I am just doing freelance, um, not really like applying for a lot of corporate jobs and stuff, but you know, I, it might be helpful to dust off my resume and update it at some point in the near future. But as somebody who my career has been teacher for the past 10 years, and now like I'm a freelance editor, but it's like, how do I convey that in my resume? Right. Cause I'm not looking for teaching jobs right now, but it's like, you know, how do I represent myself as an editor when all of my skills have been this like one job for the past 10 years? It's just like copywriting or copy editing, right? Um, I, I tell us to like all clients in the creative space uh, or professionals in creative space um, is to build a portfolio of your work. Uh, a portfolio is a good p- a way to um, really overcome obstacles if they believe you have a lack of experience by have a portfolio of your uh, best work. Uh, the other one is just uh, networking and seeing, hey, I, I want to get more like editing, copy editing clients or copywriting clients. Uh, how how they go about doing that, right? And then uh, they could give you some advice there. Uh, another one in terms of like improving your resume. Uh, so I highlighted one uh, example of a transferable skill in terms of like reviewing your students' papers and like giving them editing advice. Uh, the other one could be just looking at some job ads of, of like copy editing roles. Again, if, if you're not applying to uh, roles, um, it's still good to see how they uh, write their job descriptions. And then you want to mirror yeah. some of those job descriptions into your resume. So you're speaking the same language. So I would recommend like maybe looking at like four to five job ads uh, for that specific role because they tend to get repetitive and ask for the same things. So that should give you a good foundation on writing a custom uh, resume uh, for that audience. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that because that's something I certainly find intimidating is again, like I totally understand I have those transferable skills, but it's like, Mm -hmm. how do I emphasize those and represent those in the best possible way? And, you know, it's just, it's tough, especially when you are starting out as a freelancer. Cause like, yeah, I I don't have, you know, necessarily the depth of clients to build that portfolio yet. It's something that is on my mind as something I want to, to start building. But yeah, I appreciate those tips. Yeah. And uh, just to go to that, right? Like for me, um, I did, if, I know there's a huge debate of where you should do something for free, but I recommend for anyone looking to start something new is do a few for free and get them a result and then possibly get them a testimonial uh, from them. And then that will build mm-hmm. your confidence and then you can sell it for like the price that you want. Right. Uh, well, so that's, I did, that's yeah. kind of how I got into this in the yeah. first place was I was editing Becky's stuff for free and I actually edited um, my other best friend's PhD dissertation for free and then she she ended up paying a professional copy editor to do a final pass on it which totally makes sense but you know she spent like two or three thousand dollars on that copy edit job and I'm turning this over in my head for a little bit and I'm just like I could be doing this for money and that's really kind of what motivated me to turn that skill from something I'm doing just for my friends as, as a, you know, a complimentary thing, because I like helping my friends out to this is something I could do on the side to make some extra money. And I actually have the confidence in my skills 
because I've been doing it for so long for my friends. Can I give like a live testimonial right now? <laughs> I, I'm going to say like, honestly, Cara, like you are so good with the details and so good at being consistent. And, you know, I could I could go through my pieces, you know, five times and be like, okay, I'm pretty sure, you know, I've gotten most of the the mistakes. And like there will always be something you point out. And mind you, you always do it in a very tactful, uh, kind way. And I love that you also balance it out with, hey, like, you know, this could be improved or what do you mean by this with also like positive feedback. So I think you have a really nice balance. You're very, you're very strong editor. Um, So we can clip this and put it on your LinkedIn. (laughs) No, but honestly, like, you're, you're great. And I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. You've, yeah, you've really helped me out. No, you're saying that because I slipped you $20 before we did this podcast. <laughs> Shh, you're not supposed to tell anyone that. <laughs> Gosh, I'm so cheap. Like, you can pay me off $20? <laughs> That's all it takes? <laughs> no, but honestly, Max, like, those are, those, are very, those are very good tips. And, yeah, I think it also comes back to really honing in on your niche as well. And Cara, you feel like you are doing this of of targeting, you know, people who are in academia, or perhaps just copywriters, or you know, yeah, like you're a few doing different, that. few different audiences, yeah. right? And I just kind of say, you know, I can do this, I can do this. I'm I'm, I'm mm-hmm. open to anything, but like, there's there are specific audiences I'm definitely looking to pursue when it comes to advertising my services and stuff. I think at the end of the day, you know, something like mine it's word of mouth, right? It's, it's you, your other clients recommend you to their friends and that kind of thing. And that's where I see the value in LinkedIn is LinkedIn is like the virtual form of word of mouth, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. So speaking of like, maybe like more personal stuff, Max, you know, you're, you're on LinkedIn, you are career coaching, you still have your nine to five, I'm assuming, right? In marketing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. still there. I'm still there. Still there. Um, okay, so what do you like to do for fun? Uh, for me, uh, like I said, um, just meeting with a good friend of mine for Tim's and just having like a good conversation, mm-hmm. like of exchange of ideas. Uh, so that's so I, I, I meet up with him like um, two to three times a week, I think. It d- depends on our schedules, right? So there's that. And then. Oh, Canadian. Uh, just meet, meet, meeting a friend for Tim's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And the Canadian thing, meeting them for Tim's, right? Uh, Tim Hortons. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, um, what does it say? Yeah. And then, like, just like, like I mentioned before, I, I do understand the importance of fitness, right? Uh, so I was playing hockey and like track and field when I was younger. Uh, obviously, I realized that in order to get really good, I would have to like practice more than I was. And I just wasn't willing to do that because I didn't enjoy it that much or wasn't that passionate about it. Uh, but again, like I said, I, I'm still into the fitness part. So I'd still go to the gym at least a few times a week. And I know you do too, Becky, because I see your uh, Instagram oh, um, yeah. stories all the time uh, with your um, gym <laughs> selfies and what have you. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, fitness there. And then just, um, I guess, just trying new restaurants every so often. Uh, and then, mm. like, from a content creation perspective, as you know, um, just, like, doing more videos, uh, writing content on LinkedIn, and then, like, my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You're busy, but it sounds like you have a nice balance going on of you're you're productive yet you still you're still enjoying your life you're still seeing friends and you're still having fun which i think is important 
Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Max. So I know you already plugged your podcast, but if you want to plug anything else that you do, let us know where can our listeners find you, especially if they want like career coaching. Yeah, thanks, Cara. And uh, thanks, Becky, for having me. In terms of if you want to reach out to me for like career advice or uh, just looking for some guidance, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there daily because, again, I post <laughs> every day there. Uh, so, yeah, so just look up Max Chan on LinkedIn and uh, I should be one of the top searches. Uh, again, as I mentioned, I do have a podcast as well with uh, the same name as a company name, uh, Chan with a Plan. So you can just type in Google Chan with a Plan podcast and you, sh you should see me there as well. So those are the two main places that you can find me. I only listened to the, the episode with Rebecca on it because that's you know <laughs> what I'm interested in. That's the content I want, but I really enjoyed that episode, Max. One of the things I noticed was I really liked how you kind of got out of the way as a host. You know, you would ask a question and then you would just let Becky as your guest talk. And that's really impressive, you know, mm -hmm. especially for, for a male podcast host, right? Because men have mm -hmm. this tendency sometimes to take up a little bit more space and sometimes even just unconsciously interrupt women when they're talking. And I liked how, you know, you would contribute insights when you had them you'd ask follow-up questions but you really just gave becky the space to share her story um so i you know i know becky quite well but i learned things about her from listening to that episode yeah your questions were like they're very thoughtful and like they made sense and i feel like you really listened so you let me shine <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'm assuming both of you heard of Howard Stern, right? Like I saw some of his YouTube clips. Yeah. That he constantly interrupts the guests, and like they get and <laughs> a lot of the comments are like so pissed at. I'm like, can you let the person talk? I mean, it was, it was so obnoxious, right? So he's, I think he's a bit extreme. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I think being a good podcast uh, host is again, it's not about you, it's about them. So just ask mm -hmm. really good uh, questions. It's also good for people who um, are looking to network in their career. Uh, try to ask deep questions that you can't get online, uh, and make it very thought provoking because it makes them more makes you more memorable if you ask like a question that they've never been asked before. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I'm going to start asking more thought provoking questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be good if you started doing that on this podcast. You I, know, know. I feel like you haven't been pulling your weight, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. All right. Well, oh. thank you so much, Max. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. So, Again, thanks for Becky. having me. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Becky, speaking of where people plugging. People, uh, <laughs> Damn plugging it. I, I thought I could get away with it. <laughs> where can people kidding. find us? How can they get in touch with us? You can follow our Facebook page, which I haven't updated in a while. Uh, we just like to talk. You can also email us at we just like to talk at gmail.com. Give us some positive feedback or some hate mail. We would be happy to have either, honestly. Just give us attention. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Send this All episode right. to a friend. There you go. <laughs>